Are you concerned about, just one more economic one, are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Can you explain that? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. In the internals of it. Inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. We're going to have to work with President Biden and yes. Democrats in order to get anything done. That's right. So let me ask you, can you name one thing that President Biden has done that you support? One thing that he's done that I support. Mm. You eat a lot of ice cream. Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. And what you just heard was Joe Biden's Marie Antoinette moment. And some of you have seen this, but let me just describe it. Joe Biden is chomping on an ice cream cone. Probably a $10 ice cream cone. And telling the American people that the economy is strong as hell. We've got over 8% inflation. We've got an economy that contracted in the first two quarters of the year. But we're strong as hell. While he chomps on a $10 ice cream cone. And for those of you who forget, Marie Antoinette was the last queen of France prior to the French Revolution. And... Things were getting bad in France. And when the queen was told about her subjects starving, her response was, let them eat cake. And this is as close as Joe Biden has come to Marie Antoinette since he's been in office. Let them eat ice cream. Watch me eat a $10 cone while you got to struggle with 8% inflation, while the economy's contracting. That's the message he's sending to everybody. But he's so far out of it. And the people around him really don't care. The only reason they do care about this is that they're losing the election. They're going to lose the midterm because of this. But it's so hard to strip away your true colors with a guy like Biden around. Because he's capable of saying anything and will say anything. First thing that comes to his mind. And he doesn't realize the optics of a president of the United States chomping on a $10 ice cream cone, telling every uh, Americans, oh, everything's fine. The economy's strong as hell, when we all know it's not. And I want to point out a couple of comments by Biden that a lot of people seem to have missed. They were all focused on the um, strong as hell comment. But what they missed is that Biden says, well, I care about the world. You mentioned nothing about caring about the United States, caring about the people for the United States. Well, I only care about what's going on in the world. Americans take a backseat to the world. That's the message he was also sending. And the second thing was the weak excuse that he had for inflation. Well, the rest of the world's in inflation. Everybody else has inflation. So that's supposed to make it acceptable for us? Uh, the rest of the world has inflation, so you have to take it. This guy is just so weak. And I backed this. <laughs> I backed this up with uh, a clip from uh, Herschel Walker was interviewed, I think, by NBC. And I got to tell you, Herschel Walker had a really, really good debate, and that debate has turned the tide for him. He's he's going to come out and win the Senate seat in Georgia. And I don't know him, but he really comes across as a genuine person. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he has a past. 
but he's trying to be honest with the people he's talking to. And that's genuine. People respond to that. And I think that's what people want today. They don't want the perfect person. Just They just want straight talk. It doesn't have to be in perfect English. It doesn't have to be with $5,000 words. They just want to be talking, spoke to in a proper way, in an honest way. And I think this is what Herschel Walker is giving people. And that's why I think he's going to pill this out. Particularly when he's opposed to Warnock, who is just too smooth and, you know, just comes across as too too much part of the system that has helped wreck this country. And it's showing. And they're, they're, they're in a panic. The, Rep- uh, the Democrats are in a panic. We're several weeks out from the election, and the polls are not going their, uh, their way. Even their polls. And you can't hide, even with their skewed polls that favor Democrats, you can't hide the fact that less poll I saw, a local Fox Pennsylvania poll, Oz and Fetterman are tied. Mastriano is only down seven to Shapiro after being down double digits a week ago. And one thing I always learned, one thing I was always taught by these political yokels in Hudson County, when you start sinking this late in the election, you're not going to win. And these Democrats are dropping like anchors in the poll, their own polls. And they know it. You got Gretchen Whitmer, poll here from MIRS. Gretchen Whitmer. It's only up two over Dixon. A poll here by Florida Atlantic University. Trump up four in Florida. The generic Rasmussen. Republicans up four. Emerson. Republicans up five in the generic poll. The Democrats are in a state of panic. They see this red wave coming. And they don't know what to do. So all they can do is lash out. You've got to watch your MSNBCs, these, these talking heads that they have, Morning Joe. It's all come down to rants and attacking the people that, tap, attacking their fellow Americans, I got to say. And with that said, I want to play a clip is by, from Michael Steele, former RNC chairman, referring to fellow Republicans and fellow Americans as lice. So let me just play this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. What Republicans have done to themselves, going back to Newt Gingrich, John Boehner, and Paul Ryan, right? And so McCarthy's now next in line with a base that is prepared um, to throw him out should they allow him to be speaker. But Kevin has decided to make his bed and is prepared to lie down with the, with the lice, the fleas, and the blood-sucking ticks. And whatever befalls him is about is going to come from that that relationship. And what Steele was talking about, he was talking about Kevin McCarthy, who's in line to become the Speaker of the House once the Republicans take over. And um, Steele saying that, well, McCarthy's going to have to lie in bed with uh, lice and ticks. That's essentially what he says. That was the intent of his words. So we're no longer unwashed deplorables. We're now blood-sucking ticks, lice, just because they can't have their way. And this is what they think of you. They're trying everything. Oh, we have to save democracy 
from the lice. We have to save democracy from the deplorables. None of it's working. None of it is working. People see through this. These people that you see on TV, these bureaucrats, these elected officials, they're the ones that are impediments to democracy. And remember that. You got to come out and vote. Now, with that said, I want to switch to uh, Stephen Bannon. Stephen Bannon was sentenced today to four months in prison for not responding to the J6 subpoena. So what happened? He got uh, four months in prison plus, I think, a $6,500 fine. But what the judge did is he allowed him to go free pending appeal. So Bannon's going to appeal this and he'll, he'll likely win. At the very least, once the Republicans take over and they take over the J6 investigation, they likely have the capacity to just put the kibosh on this entire hearing. And with that, it could have an effect on the Bannon decision. So we shall see. But what I want to do is I want to play, I want to play Bannon's press conference after he was sentenced. And if there's other, and I've said this before, if there's a guy that's more important to the MAGA movement, it's, it's Donald Trump. And that's the only person. But next to Donald Trump, Stephen Bannon is the most important person to the MAGA movement. So with that said, let's go to the press conference, and then we'll come back and discuss. Today was my judgment day by the judge, and he stated for the appeal. We'll have a very vigorous appeals process. I've got a great legal team, and there'll be multiple areas of appeal. But as that sign says right there, can we have the vote sign? On November 8th, on November 8th, there's going to have judgment on the illegitimate Biden regime. And quite frankly, and quite frankly, Nancy Pelosi and the entire committee, either they've already been turfed out like Liz Cheney, right, or have quit like Kinzinger and other Democrats, or they're about to be beaten like Luria and others. This is democracy. The American people are way in measuring what went on with the Justice Department and how they comported themselves. They're weighing and measuring that right now and they will vote on November 8th. The American people will raise judgment. The Biden administration ends on the 8th evening of the 8th of November. And let me be, let me, some other thing is that the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland will end up being the first attorney general that's brought up on charges of impeachment and he will be removed from office. And with that said, a stunning new poll just came out regarding the New York gubernatorial race. Lee Zeldin now leads Hochul 45.6% to 45.3%. And this was done by a company called Coefficient. I'm not very familiar with them, but uh, this was just released uh, about uh, 45 minutes ago. And it's stunning. Here's a guy that was down 11 points four days prior to this poll. And now he's up in the polls because Americans are seeing through this charade that the Democrats have put on over the past three years. I take that back. Since the start of the Trump presidency and the chickens are coming home to roost for them. And no one wants to be with Joe Biden. And with that said, I want to play a couple of clips about Joe. A reporter asked Joe, why Congressional Democrats don't want to be seen with him. Why 
Senate candidates don't want to be seen with him. And his response is the response of uh, an agitated old man. And let me just play you the first clip of this agitated old man. There haven't been that many candidates campaigning with you. Why are That's more? That's not ca- true. There's been 15. Count, Kate, count. Okay, and uh, are there going to be even more? Yeah. Yeah, kid, count. Can't count the 15. I don't think Biden can even name the 15 candidates that want him around. Now, the next clip has to do with another venue. Another reporter asks him, well, uh, Tim Ryan says he doesn't want to be with you. And Raphael Warnock is silent on whether he wants you to come campaign for him. So what do you have to say about that, Joe Biden? And his answer is confounding. It's gibberish. So if you can decipher what he said, you're a better person than me. So let's just go to the clip and maybe you can decipher it because I can't. Tim Ryan in Ohio said he doesn't want you there. Warnock said wouldn't say. Do you think they're making a mistake? No, there are 16 that I've already gone in for yet and a lot more last. Another 20 or so. so I'm going to be going in. All right, there you have it. If you can decipher it, um, let me give you my email address. It's uh, darrenm3225 at gmail.com. Again, that's darrenm3225 at gmail.com. If you have an interpretation of this, email it to me. We'll see what we can do. We can figure it out together. But let me tell you, who wants Joe Biden? It's John Fetterman. And I can't figure this one out. The only thing I can figure why John Fetterman would want Joe Biden there, one is that, well, Joe claims he's from Scranton. He's Scranton Joe. He was born there. And the other reason I think that Fetterman wants Biden there is that maybe Biden makes Fetterman look healthier compared to Joe. Fetterman is the epitome of physical fitness of a healthy person. I don't know. And with that said, I want to play a clip from a campaign stop that Biden had with Fetterman. And again, it's, you know, it's just crazy talk. You know, apparently he's making this, uh, this a speech about, oh, I've given this much money to this, this much money to that. But he's got the numbers all screwed up. So let me just play this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Over a billion, two hundred, a trillion, two hundred billion dollars. So he gave over a billion, two hundred trillion, billion dollars. That's a new number. But you shouldn't be surprised coming from an administration that has wasted so much money. They don't have a clue about money. They can't even talk about money. They can't even pronounce the correct amount of money. So you think they're spending our money wisely when they can't even pronounce or understand how much they've given to a program? But I read it somewhere. I, I, you know, I hate to make fun of sick people, but these Democrats have to be crushed. And Someone mentioned that it must have been some conversation between Biden and Fetterman when they met earlier that day. And in a way, I feel sorry for the aides that are there and trying to generate some type of conversation between the two. It must have been a lot of grunting, a lot of looking off into space, and a lot of gibberish. So it must have been comical in a sad way. So we shall see. So I just want to talk a couple of minutes about the British Prime Minister, Liz Trust. She resigned. 
And I think she lasted only 44 days. And a couple of people asked me, well, why? What happened? And here's what happened. She came in right away. And I think it was one of these cases where she tried to be a hero. And how she tried to be a hero, she came in with a budget that dramatically reduced taxes, particularly those that are wealthier. And she expanded spending with this energy price guarantee. And what happened is that the bond market did not take kindly to it. And the bond market tanked. And the British pound tanked. And what that means is that interest rates, British interest rates, just went through the roof. And it became to the point where there was a liquidity problem. Nobody wanted to buy them or they couldn't sell them or vice versa. And it became a big issue. And what that tells us today is that the standard practice of low interest rates and higher spending are not the answer in today's world. Because these governments throughout the world, including our own government, have just created these massive deficits, these massive debt that cannot be addressed or cured with either Keynesian economics or Friedman economics. Just not today. It can work some other times, like for Milton Friedman's concept, or Arthur Laffer, the Laffer curve. He worked on, under Reagan. When Reagan came with lower taxes, that is not going to work in today's world right now. Because the markets have been so skewed by these central banks, no one knows what the answer is. What we do know is that a budget that trust came in with was not going to work. And this is why we're in dangerous times. Now, with that said, I think it was a Bank of America analysis came out. Look, and they said, look, you know, we're concerned about U.S. debt here. There's a liquidity problem that we may face with U.S. debt. We're running such high deficits. We've got so much debt that we don't know who's going to buy it. And if they buy it, at what interest rate? So they're concerned about that. And we should be concerned about that. And all of these decisions now that we're facing that have to be made by these governments and by these central banks are all because of the fiscal policy of these governments that generated this massive amount of debt and the artificially low interest rates that were created by these central banks. And and this concerns me, and this concerns you. Uh, This should concern you because nobody knows what the answer is. The answer isn't Reaganomics. The answer isn't uh, massive amounts of spending like these modern monetary theory communists think. This, This thing has to be addressed a day at a time. But it's not going to be cured by the Democrats and it's not going to be cured by Biden. So we shall see. You know, I just wanted to talk about a couple of articles I came across this week. And uh, one has to do with the hiring of a former staffer to former Senate Majority Leader Reed, Harry Reed, and how he was hired by a Chinese company to uh, try to mitigate sanctions that were placed on this company called Hikvision for having its surveillance equipment used by China, I guess, to monitor the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs that are being oppressed in concentration camps. 
So apparently there's a law in the book, and I think it's called the Magitsky Act, something along those lines. And it allows the United States to sanction certain companies if they're violating human rights. And clearly the the Uyghurs are having their human rights violated, for lack of a better word. And this company Hicksvision and helping the Chinese government with their equipment to monitor these concentration camps in China, these Uyghur concentration camps. So Hickvision hired Andrew Wilson, who worked for Harry Reid, typical insider. And he was going to lobby the U.S. government to mitigate these sanctions or have the sanctions written off. But here's the interesting thing in this article. This company called Hickvision, they had hired Barbara Boxer, the former senator from California, and a gentleman called Peter Cusick a senior sanctions policy advisor in the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control. Let's hire some former bureaucrat. We need an inside advantage. And that's what they did. Now, the interesting thing is that this guy, Andrew Wilson's strategy was somehow obtained by the Daily Caller. And here's what I find interesting, is that Wilson's strategy wasn't to go directly to the politicians, the elected officials, the senators, the congressmen. No, they were doing an end around. They were going right to the bureaucrats. And this is why these bureaucrats are too powerful. And this is why the administrative state and the deep state have to be crushed. Because without this Daily Caller article, we would never know about this. This was going to be a deal among some former staffer to a politician and some bureaucrats in Washington. So again, Willison was going to go directly to the bureaucrats in Washington to get this sanction mitigated or written off. And again, this is dangerous. This is undemocratic. And I've always said the deep state, the administrative state is a threat to democracy. And here's a perfect example right here. All these deals cut behind the scenes. We've got a We've got a company called Hickvision, which is clearly dealing with human rights issue. But it all goes away if you know the right bureaucrat, if you hire the right politician. And this has got to stop. Now, the second article I wanted to um, talk about, and this comes from the Post, the Washington Post of all places. Clearly not a friend to us. But it says American technology boosts China's hypersonic missile program. So apparently there's laws on the books that prevent American companies from selling technology to um, the Chinese military. But the laws on the books do not prevent a third-party company that may have commercial use for technology from turning around and selling that same technology to the Chinese military. And apparently this is what's been going on. So you can't, you can't sell to the Chinese military, but you can sell to a company that will turn around and sell it to the Chinese military. And this is the game that's being played right now. And I'll tell you, dollars to donuts, those companies that were allowed, those companies that were des- designated commercial companies, which allowed U.S. technology to be sold to them, probably had lobbyists lobbying for them 
to get them de- designated as commercial companies. Dollars to donuts. I'm sure if the Post does any more digging, they'll find out that those companies that were de- designated commercial companies that in turn sold technology to the Chinese military had lobbyists, American lobbyists, that were undermining our safety. So again, remember that. So if we need any more motivation to get out and vote, the CDC advisory board just recommended the COVID-19 vaccine for children and adolescents. Now, this isn't a mandate yet, and this is, tip, uh, this is simply an advisory board recommending to the CDC that they include it. But if the CDC ultimately determines that we're going to include this vaccine as a standard panel for children and adolescents, these school boards now can ask their students to include a COVID-19 vaccine, which is absolutely bizarre. Why are they recommending a vaccine that doesn't prevent the transmission of COVID, that has proven to be more harmful to adolescents and children than COVID itself? So why are they doing this? So just remember this when it's time to vote on November 8th. And as I've often mentioned, an old dear friend of mine from years ago was a a former FBI agent or is a former FBI agent. And the reason he left years ago is because of the politicization of the upper ranks of the FBI, how it's just was just too political. And he's often said, this is not what I signed up for. And the impression I always got from him, it wasn't from the rank and file FBI agents. It was from those in the C-suites and in the upper ranks. And this is why a recent article I read in the Post about the FBI Agents Association handing out $100 debit cards or rewards to rank-and-file FBI agents who, who took a knee during Black Lives Matter protests. And this FBI Agents Association is supposed to represent the rank-and-file. And it just shows me that this has gone so much deeper in the Bureau than the day's of my friend. And it's a shame because this organization was the most elite law enforcement organization in the world. And now it's just nothing than an arm of the Democratic Party to be used against its political enemies. It's a shame, but it will change. Believe you me, it will change. All right, let's go to loser of the week. And this week's loser of the week is the nine green activists that glued their hands to the floor of the Porsche Pavilion at the Autostat car show. I think it was in Germany. And what happened is that the car show just left them there. Oh, you want to glue your hands there? Okay, see you tomorrow. So the car show turned the lights out, turned the heat off, and said, okay, guys, see you tomorrow. You want to glue your hands to the floor? That's fine. Knock yourself out. And then these nine protesters had the audacity to complain that the auto show didn't leave them with (laughs) a pot to urinate and defecate in. (laughs) I mean, really, this is, you know, it's comical. So for that reason, these nine green activists, and I don't even know, they may still be there, are the loser of the week. Okay, let's have a condensed version of the financial markets. Um, 
Today, the Dow finished up 2.47% to 31,082.56. The S&P finished up 2.37% to 3,752.75. And NASDAQ finished up 2.31% to 10,859.72. For the week, the Dow was up 4.9%. The S&P was up 4.7%. And the NASDAQ was up 5.2%. This was the best week the markets have had since uh, June. And uh, this is in spite of uh, mediocre earnings for this week. Everybody expected uh, earnings to be a little better, but it seemed that the market shrugged it off because it's all about interest rates. And um, as long as they think the Fed is not going to pursue its uh, strategy of keeping interest rates high, they will push the market up. And that's essentially what this market has come down to. And uh, it's shameful, but that's uh, because of the Fed, and that's because of the market, and that's because of what our leaders have done and our institutions have done over the past uh, decade or so. So where are we? Uh, Year to date, the Dow is down 14.46%. The S&P is down 21.26%, and NASDAQ is down 30.59%. Oil futures uh, again, it's uh, 9.15 in the evening on Friday, October 21st, 2022. Oil futures are trading at $85.14 per barrel. Gold futures is trading at $1,662.50. And silver futures is trading at $19.40. Um, the 10-year bond is trading at a 4.219 yield and the two-year bond is trading at the four a 4.48 percent yield and again that's an inverted yield curve which indicates a recession let's go to the economic calendar uh, on monday october 24th we have the uh, s&p u.s manufacturing pmi and the S&P U.S. Services PMI. On Tuesday, October 25th, we have the Case-Shiller U.S. Home Price Index and the FHFA U.S. Home Price Index. We also have, at 10 o'clock, consumer confidence coming in. Then on Wednesday, we have the trading goods and new home sales. On Thursday, we have the real gross domestic product, first estimate. We have initial jobless claims, continuing jobless claims, durable good orders, and core capital equipment orders. And then on Friday, we have the employment cost index. We have the PCA pri- uh, PCE price index. And we have the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. We have real consumer spending. And we have the pending home sales index. Um, with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week. And I will talk to you next week. Saturday.